Live from the Great White North, this is the Canadian Investor, where you take control of your own portfolio and gain the confidence you need to succeed in the markets. Hosted by Braden Dennis and Simon Belanger. Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to the Canadian Investor. I'm Simon Belanger, joined by my co-host Braden Dennis. Uh, I'm back this week. Uh, big thank you to uh, Braden for his interview with uh, Barry Schwartz. Uh, was great to listen to, and I actually listened to it at the same time as everyone else. So it was uh, pretty fun to listen to, and I wasn't part of it. Uh, Braden, how's it going? It's going great, man. It's it's. I'm glad you're back. Last week was really fun to talk to Barry. He is not only really smart, he's a great guy, and uh, I really appreciate him taking the time out of his day. Yeah, no, it was great, and hopefully I'll get the chance to talk to him, but of course, I live in Ottawa, so it's not as easy for me. Yeah, so you're in the new house, and <laughs> I have to I have to roast you on the podcast because you texted me being like, yeah, I'm, I'm only 40-minute walk from downtown. I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> who who says they're a 40 minute walk from downtown <laughs> yeah i mean i walk uh, pretty much everywhere or i use the new ottawa light rail which is essentially a subway which if we have listeners in ottawa there's uh, it's been fairly painful for some people since the rollout but i'm pretty lucky i just walk to the station take it and i'm downtown within uh, 25 minutes or if i want to walk the whole way 40 45 minutes has it just been super delayed or something? Yeah, there's been issues with the trains. I think it was a consortium with, uh, I think, SNC-Lavalin that's, uh, that built it as well. There's been no no controversy there. so No, exactly. That's it. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's been good. Uh, it's great to be in the, the new house and uh, the dog is adapting well and we're just kind of close to everything. So it's a great little neighborhood. That's great. So if you want, I'll kick it off. We have a question from Cortez. Uh, one of my premium subscribers, great guy, uh, and he ha- has a question for the podcast. He says, since the TFSA is cumulative since you're 18, would it be smart to up your contribution amount to make up for lost time and max out the account, or do you face too much risk that way? Simon, I'm going to let you take this one first, and then I'll just basically repeat what I answered Cortez already. Yeah, um, personally, I don't think you can go wrong with uh, catching up on your contributions for the tax-free savings account. In some of our previous episodes, we went into those uh, registered accounts a bit more into details, so tax-free savings account, RSPs, and so on. Uh, but the TFSA is a great vehicle. You don't get tax on any gains that you make uh, within the account when you withdraw it, so that's uh, really good. It's also great if you want to use it a little bit as an account uh, you know, as a more an emergency fund, although I wouldn't uh, use the funds that I have invested in the stock market as an emergency fund, but you do not get the penalty if you start withdrawing your funds, you don't get taxed on them. Um, it's really up to him in terms if he wants to uh, do a little bit of contribution in a non-registered account, in a RSP in terms of registered account, or fully so- focus on the TFSA. Um, there's different, obviously, tax implication uh, involved with whichever approach you take. But um, if you don't want to do too much homework on it, personally, um, it's fine to uh, catch up on your contributions. Agreed. My first thought is if you are able to up your contribution limit, you're putting away more money, then go ahead and and do it. The TFSA is great and you have that room, you may as well keep contributing 
this doesn't mean you know put in the 60k allotment you have at one chunk that means dollar cost average it which means putting it in at a regular amount uh over a regular time period so if that's quarterly monthly annually whatever it may be be patient and catch up on the tfsa ideally you catch up on it every year that's what i plan on doing because it is a great account and gains are tax-free if you're young and cortez i know you're a young guy this account is great for you and yes just continue to put away as much money as you can and dollar cost average it into that tfsa uh, based on how old you are you probably have like you know 65k roughly depending on when you turned 18 so that's that's the quick answer to that let's talk about the craziness that is tesla my god it went up 20 percent yesterday another 20 percent today give or take and all these firms are wildly saying that the price targets are like seven thousand dollars and there's been some like $14,000 price targets. This is crazy, man. Stocks should never go up and to the left, all right? We're talking about not just up and to the right. This is up and to the left, straight shot up. It looks like craziness in uh, 2002 with dot-com stocks being valued at you know, $500 billion because they had a couple clicks on the website. This is just nuts. What do you think, Simon? Yeah, so I totally agree, God. Tesla is uh, kind of uh, an animal of its uh, own species when it comes to stocks. Um, just to put things in perspective, so when we look at the uh, company value, uh, generally we'll just say the the market cap. So it's easy to to figure out what the market cap is. You just take the amount of outstanding shares and you multiply it by the share price of one share, and then you get the market cap. Um, so could, to put things in perspective, currently Tesla, the market cap is $160 billion, which is more than Volkswagen and General Motors combined. So, and again, put things a bit more into perspective, Volkswagen is producing around 10 million vehicles, or I mean, selling around 10 million vehicles a year. General Motors is around eight, nine million vehicles a year. And Tesla is at a solid 360,000 or so. So it just gives you a little more perspective how a bit crazy the valuation is uh, for Tesla. Um, yeah, do you have a few comments on the market cap compared to those uh, other manufacturers? Yeah, well, you just hit the nail on the head. $160 billion in market cap for a car company that's not making that many cars in the grand scheme of things when you compare them to their com- compare it to their competitors. People are saying, you know, yes, Tesla has got this energy storage business. They got, you know, they're at the forefront of technology in the car. I get it. I agree. I've driven a Tesla. It is an amazing experience. The product is awesome. Uh, the thing drove itself when I was in it. It's like picking you up when you just set its location and it goes and picks you up. The technology in the car is unbelievable and it really does take test driving one to know that this is a sweet car. And also electrification is growing, you know, it has to grow. We have to reduce emissions and people don't just love electric cars. People love Teslas. Like they dominate the electric car market like over 90 percent of sales in north america last year were teslas and evs so given that has a pretty hefty price tag typically that is impressive dominance in the market but let's not 
let's not kid ourselves. The other companies are going to be producing electric cars. Uh, the Super Bowl, they had they were showing off all their new electric cars over the Super Bowl. I don't know if you saw that, Simon. And obviously, it's not going to have that kind of market uh, presence or market, sorry, market dominance that they've had in EVs because there's just too many big car manufacturers that are very good at making cars, very good at cutting costs. And this is just insane. The stock's up, what is it, 106% since the beginning of the year and 54% in the last five days. This is like, you know, market mania. It's trading for 887 USD right now. There's two things that I see happening right now in the next six months. We'll talk about this again and maybe at the end of August. Tesla is either going to be like the Bitcoin craze where it trades for like 5,000 USDs or it's like going to crash in a big way. I don't see it staying like where it is right now. That's just my take though. Yeah, I mean, it's you can't really look at Tesla and kind of and look at the fundamentals because it doesn't make any sense. I just gave a few examples, like uh, like I mentioned with the Volkswagen GM compared to to Tesla. Um, Tesla, when people invest in them, they invest for Elon Musk. It's that simple. Um, so they invest. He's don't get me wrong. He's quite the visionary, and he's got SpaceX going on. He's got other ventures, and you said they they have a solar storage business. Um, they it's you know you can't really you'll have to like the uh, the vision that he has for humankind as a whole um however in terms of investing in the business to me it gets really risky um there's a lot of warning signs for um for tesla first of all elon musk is not very um they it's hard to believe him when he says he gives out numbers uh, for tesla i think uh, three out of four times generally is guidance uh, they don't meet meet it whatsoever um they often fall very short of it so you got to take any type of guidance from elon musk with a grain of salt um he's usually not that friendly in terms of uh being a shareholder friendly business so you have to keep that in mind he's very aggressive in terms of what he wants to do for the business and obviously it's worked fairly well for him so far um you can blame him on that but if you're looking for a prudent capital allocator that is not elon musk um one other thing that kind of baffles me a little bit is there was an analyst uh, that uh, on the conference call that was asking him oh with this stock being up so high like are you going to use this as an opportunity to issue some new shares, some equity, so get more money into the business because it makes sense. The higher the stock is, the better the time is to uh, get more shares out because you won't have to issue as many to get the same type of funding. And Elon did say, uh, no, it wasn't under his like was not under the radar at that they would be mostly cash flow positive for the upcoming year. Uh, there might be small fluctuations. Uh, again, it goes back to Elon not being super reliable when it comes to making prediction for uh, for Tesla itself. So that's kind of my take on it. It's very hard to value. And you're really, if you want to invest in Tesla, just be aware it's a super volatile stock. So it's going to be volatile, whether it goes up or down, there's going to be big swings. And you're essentially just uh, betting on Elon Musk if uh, you want to invest in that company. Yeah, you bring up a lot of good points you gotta love elon musk like his visionary like the things he is doing to make emissions lower 
put humans out in space potentially and then generate the power for his vehicles cleanly with solar. The vision is just amazing and he is an incredible businessman. He likes to have fun with it too. If you follow his Twitter, he is quite hilarious. And apparently he just dropped some new song on Spotify, which is the guy's just a meme. Like overall, it's hilarious. But he is just the exact opposite of a CEO. Like he's always getting in trouble with the SEC. He doesn't give a shit. It's hilarious. And I honestly respect him a lot for that. As an investment, this is scary stuff. At, uh, at the valuation that it's trading at when compared to other car manufacturers. Let's not kid ourselves. Don't ever get caught up in hype where certain companies are being looked at differently than what they are. Hint, hint, we work. This is not a tech company. This is a real estate company. And investors who made the mistake of thinking that it was a tech company and not a real estate company, well, do I have to even get into the details on what that happened? That is just a nightmare. So, I mean, I I see some parallels in this kind of analysis. Yeah, and they're in a market that's highly competitive and they've got competitors with really deep pockets. And not only that, they are putting a lot of their money into um, uh, driverless cars. Um, the problem with that industry specifically, I'm not, I'm not an expert whatsoever, but I know there's uh, different ventures out there. There are some are back, I think, by Google. I believe that Volkswagen and Ford also have an initiative on their hand. Uh, and I think NVIDIA would also have one. There's like There's definitely some big players out there that do have that. And it's not... I mean, it's not been completed just yet to be safe on the roads. So uh, whichever company that kind of comes out first will probably be the one that will cash in the most on that. So they're, you know, they're fighting against some big players with a lot of deep pockets uh, to get that done. There's a ton of big tech companies, you know, ones that are ring the tune of a billion or sorry, a trillion dollar in market cap that are very interested in this space with extremely deep deep pockets that generate a lot of free cash flow and they might decide hey maybe we shouldn't be buying back 80 billion dollar in stock and instead we're going to invest in in this space so tesla's technology is impressive but they are in a space where deep pockets in technology could disrupt it there's just so much more downside in my opinion we talk about investing in future returns right that's what investing is you're you're betting on what's going to happen in the future earnings in the future at 160 billion in market cap what's my upside i i don't see it and and if you do see it and you have some insight into the company well i mean you've clearly done very well on the stock i'm not going to hate on you for that but i can't understand it and that's the best part about investing if i don't understand it i don't have to invest in it if you understand it go for it. That's all, that's, that's all you. So that's what, that's what I love about investing in general, being able to make the decisions on your own. That's why we're managing our own portfolio in the beginning, right? To be able to have control. And this is, this is a good thing. Yeah, for me, like if anyone's interested in investing in Tesla, look, that's their own decision. Just be aware. I would, def- again, I think we've said that before about growth companies. Just keep it a small portion of your portfolio. Don't put uh, too many eggs in that basket and just be expected. Uh, it's going to be a wild ride whether it goes up or down. And I'm not going to try to predict Tesla because I probably would have said it would have gone down uh, maybe a year or two ago and 
look at it where it's at now. So um, I don't think I'm going to venture to make predictions uh, for, for them. Yeah, and you've seen shorts just get squeezed like no tomorrow, right? Uh, it was the most shorted stock at like $400 in the entire market. And it's at 780 right now, or sorry, 880 today. Oh my God, I can't keep up. So, I mean, these shorts are getting crushed. And um, yeah, I, I wouldn't bet against it because I can't understand it. And, you know, in market manias like this, you know, Rob, Robert Schiller's book on uh, irrational exuberance would ring a lot of bells. And, uh, you know, history does not. Um, repeat itself exactly, but it sure does rhyme. And this is very similar in my opinion. Yeah, and just a quick note on shorting. I think we uh, people might be hearing that term a bit in the financial market. So shorting, you're like uh, Braden said, you're betting against a company. Uh, the way to do it is usually what you'll do is uh, an easy example is I say, okay, um, this stock is $100 a stock. Um, I'm going to go to Braden, who owns uh, this company, and say, uh, hey, Braden, I'm going to essentially borrow these shares from you. Um, I'm going to pay you a premium for that. I'm going to turn around, sell them at $100 each, and then I'm betting that the stock will go down to say, I'm hoping it'll go down to $50, for example. I'll buy back the shares, give them back to Braden to make him whole in terms of number of shares, and then I've pocketed the profit in between. Theoretically, um, and that always annoys me when I hear that, they say like, oh, your downside is theoretically like, infinite well let's be honest yeah in theory yes it could be infinite because the stock could just keep going up and up and up and up and your losses will amount um, in reality i think that's a pretty far-fetched it always annoys me when i hear that uh, but essentially what would happen if a company is doing well you would have a short squeeze which is the people shorting the stock when the stock goes up quickly they panic and then they sell uh, sorry they'll buy those stocks again um, and because there's so many short seller that would buy those stock again to pay back the people like i said Braden, uh, for those shares then it makes the stock go up even more uh, that's where you get the short squeeze it would be a not fun place to be right now <laughs> it would probably be very difficult to sleep right now if you're still holding on to that short so, Simon, do you want to give us the tip of the day? Yeah, and uh, yeah, definitely. So we talked about it beforehand. Uh, we were wondering what we would say and what ties in really well with our discussion on Tesla is um, um, don't pay attention on the price targets that are given by analysts uh, that follow a certain stock. Um, I was watching something really interesting on uh, BNN when I was uh, looking up videos of Barry Schwartz before the interview uh, last week and uh, one guy who manages a fun and I apologize I don't remember his name but he was talking about this subject and saying that uh, they never pay attention to the price target however um, they'll actually look at the analyst report because oftentimes the analysts will have good insights in the actual business itself but in terms of the price target they pay no attention to that and to keep in mind too the price targets tend to be really short-term focus so it could make a stock go up very quickly in a short amount of time 
but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's where the stock will go. Um, so it's easy to kind of get excited or panic when there's a price target that either is goes way up or goes way down for a stock that you own. Um, don't make decisions just based on that. Totally agreed. Price targets are you know questionable in themselves. And that whole industry is kind of strange to me because – Yes, I find a lot of value in what the analysts are saying in the words because they study the business well and they're outlining the upsides and the potential downsides to be aware of. And I think that is the value. However, in terms of their buy or sell or hold recommendation and the price target, I black that stuff out because the amount of buys is at least two to one on sells or holds in the market. So if you go to a company like Tesla, for instance, the amount of analysts are saying buy versus hold, they don't want to be caught looking stupid saying sell stock or, um, you know, there's way more upside for them uh, to not be wrong, essentially. So it's, it's a very weird industry and the incentives are not entirely aligned correctly. So Look at what they're saying in terms of the upsides and the downsides, but price targets and buy, sell, hold recommendations, uh, you can look at it, but don't finalize any decisions based on that alone is my recommendation. Yeah, totally agree. And I personally use it usually just to have a general overview of the company, a better understanding, and then I'll kind of dig in a bit more into the numbers, into the financial statement if I'm really interested in the company. And that's the extent I use it. And sometimes too, like Braden just said, is those financial analysts or those analysts that follow a company, they also have relationships that they have to keep with investor relations uh, department of those companies. So if they start selling that a stock is a strong sell, what that can result is them having more difficulty getting information from the, com- from the company to actually analyze them properly. So it is something that's kind of a weird and like Braden said, their interests are definitely not aligned with yours. No, financial incentives are not aligned. This is, a, this is a, actually pretty much covers the entire financial services industry. Financial incentives are not aligned generally between you and the financial service industry as a whole. I mean, overall, when it comes to fees, when it comes to, you know, the amount of backloaded, frontloaded fees that you get when you're investing in mutual funds, and then there's incentives for the financial advisor that are not aligned. All of it is backwards, and the only person that's not making money in that case is you. So, I mean, that's why we manage our own portfolio, and that's why you listen to this podcast, hopefully. So go over to GetStockMarket.com. There's lots of stuff happening there right now in terms of revamping. Lots of different quality companies that you can look at, lots of metrics. And I hope you guys are finding lots of value from that. And that does it for this one. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next week. The Canadian investor is not to be taken as investment advice. Braden or Simon may own securities mentioned on this podcast. Always make sure to do your own research and due diligence before making investment decisions. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Canadian Investor. To get a list of the top Canadian dividend stocks right now and other valuable investing resources, go to GetStockMarket.com.